0: Into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three
1: time best sports blog winner.
0: With Justin Bradford. Two
1: time of Music City best sports reporter.
0: And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford. Spider Jack in for Glenn Blackwell. Kenny Adams behind the glass for us tonight. And boy, oh boy, first, LOL Tampa Bay. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. It has not happened yet, folks, but history is about to be made in a hilarious fashion and every Red Wings fan will rejoice (laughs) if it does. I'm shocked. (laughs) I'm shocked at the Lightning. Oh my gosh. The, The Tampa Bay Lightning haven't had to play competitive hockey in about two months, it seems, and Columbus is like, hey, how you doing? We're here, buddy. <laughs> so it's been pretty interesting to see how the series is going down. And then, hey, the East has been crazy. because On the other end, you have Pittsburgh and the Islanders, and Barry Trotz is Barry Trotz. Oh, yeah. Make it a case right now. <laughs> he is. He is. So, so it's very interesting what's going on over there. But, hey, you know, I, <laughs> game three for the Nashville Predators, mm-hmm. they have a 2-1 series lead now. Thank God it didn't go to overtime last night, because I was in Dallas. Oh, yeah. If, if anyone was following me on Twitter, they'd see my whining and complaining <laughs> about it. But I'm working on three hours of sleep right now, folks, so I appreciate you dealing with me and any blips that I may have going on. Some but, Bradford sass going on. Oh, oh, plenty of Bradford sass. But a 3-2 three, a three, win, which, when I was on air for Preds and Sowers with Ryan Porth... I did call that. Yes. He asked me. He, I don't I don't tend to like to do score predictions, but he asked me what my score prediction was. And I said, 3-2 Nashville. Lo and behold, Mikel Glenland, with that goal, mm-hmm. he, they made it happen. So, let's look at this, Jack. Let's, let's look at this game. And it was kind of curious that we already knew it was going to be tight defensively. We, we just knew that this whole series. And again, it was that. And what I noticed, yeah, it was tight defensively last night, but... It was more open hockey. Yeah. Like, they were free-flowing back and forth, some great zone time for each team, but it's still tight because they weren't allowing anything because goaltenders are playing fantastic. Right. But a lot more chances being... I mean, 89 shot attempts for the yep. Dallas Stars. I mean, it's not like they they pretty much deserve to win the game with how they were playing. Pecorine Absolutely. stole it. Absolutely. And that's a great thing for Nashville. That's a great thing that Pecorine is playing like the Pecorine that we know can steal games.
2: That's a very big plus for Nashville right now, and I said that Soros should be in when the playoffs started, but oh. it was all dependent on whether Vesna Pekka showed up or 2018 playoff Pekka showed up. Ooh, oh!
0: Well, at least you admit you had a hot take. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> boy, oh boy! But looking at this game too, there's a, a little things I noticed. You could tell the scouting for the national predators and maybe they're going to say no just dude you're you're playing wrong or they're going to say that because like just don't tell them (laughs) but what i noticed is they were trying to generate more rebound opportunities and yeah, you know that needs to happen Mm -hmm. especially in a tight defensive game like this but where rocco grimaldi which praise be to rocco right (laughs) (laughs) Two goals, two games. Talk about taking advantage of your opportunity when you didn't even play in game one. But Rocco Grimaldi and Mikael Glenland, their mm-hmm. goals came from around the half wall. Their pucks had eyes. Yeah, they no had question. eyes, and you could tell these were not shots that were. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna score. Even though the mm-hmm. coaching staff of the Predators, they don't say take a shot. They say score a goal. <laughs> and that that is a big thing. I mean, that's a mindset factor, but those are not shots where you typically see goals being scored from the half wall around the face-off area, right. which is which was where we saw this, and they're going in on the rush, it seemed. Now, Nat Statrick has them in some different areas, but those are where the goals were scored, or kind of on the rush, and, and, and they fired the puck and they went in. What I was noticing with Ben Bishop, what they're trying to do is create those opportunities there to try to create the bounces off of his pads to hopefully go to another Predator that is flying right in right. where the puck will go right to them and you have an empty net. You could see, I, multiple times I noticed this in that game. I'm trying to create specific types of rebound opportunities.
2: Bishop hadn't been doing a good job. Well, he had been doing a good job uh, not allowing any rebounds in games mm-hmm. one and two. Good control. And you saw in game three, he didn't do a great job. of. He just allowed a lot more rebounds than he should have.
0: Yeah. And, and you go back to game two where there are some multiple opportunities with the Craig Smith one. Dirty goals are yep. going to win this series. And dirty goals, and I don't want to say, I want to say flute goals, but weird goals right? <laughs> will, will win this series. The Forsberg goal is not weird. That was Forsberg doing <laughs> Forsberg things. Too good. Weird was more of the Rocco goal be, mm-hmm. just because of where it was from. It was not really a, 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 a dangerous area, but that puck had eyes, yep. like you said. And those are types of goals, those swing goals, the depth goals. People, I, I see some people harping on the first line, or Ryan Johansson, because Forsberg's goal doesn't really count for Jofa because it was during line change and he got loose. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's important is Dallas is doing a great job of shutting down the first line. That leaves opportunity for other players. That's what it's supposed to be like in the playoffs. You prepare for your top line, and then the other lines have opportunities. That's why you're seeing goals from Rocco Grimaldi, because dang, kid's getting loose, <laughs> yeah. dude is fast, he's oh, yeah. small, he's getting under people, and he is flying and buzzing so much out there, it is crazy. And then, kind of the second line, in terms of offensive production, I know mm-hmm. they, they haven't been the, the best, <laughs> but Mikel Glandland gets that goal. You're seeing depth scoring, and that's what's very, very important in the playoffs, is having depth guys perform. Because if you can get fourth line, players yep. scoring goals that's what's going to win you championships really yeah defense was champion yes I get yeah, that yeah, yeah but it's the depth scoring is what makes a difference in this and the Predators overall have better depth than the Dallas Stars absolutely
2: they're Nick Benino and Cali both have two assists uh Subban has two points Yossi had a point and I believe Alice did too and you're mainly seeing production out of three guys on the Stars. You got Zuccarello with two goals, Ben with three points, Radulov, and he's getting in with both two points. Uh, there's not a lot going on in the bottom six with the Stars right now, and that's a good thing for Nashville, mm-hmm. and it's a really good thing in terms of, for the Jofa line, because the Stars' first line is outplaying the Predators' first line, but, you know, they're it, winning it happens.
0: it happens, and eventually they'll break through. It's just naturally that'll happen, and that's where... You know, every game's pivotal in the playoffs. I know it's so cliche, but game four really is pivotal because it's either 3-1 or 2-2. Going back to home. That's a huge flip right there to where either on the brink of elimination or, hey, you still got two wins to go, buddy. Right. So (laughs) one of those two things. Now, looking, too, at Dallas, Matt Zuccarello, what an addition he's been because he is playoff performing for the Dallas Stars. And he caught the Predators defense sleeping. He wasn't even supposed to be in the lineup. <laughs> like, he was hurt like a
2: month ago. Yeah. I mean, he was done for the seat. He was done, done. for yeah. this. Yeah, And
0: then he healed pretty quickly. Right. But what a, what a pickup there. And that's what you pick him up for. I mean, yeah. Luckily, they made the playoffs for that trade's sake because he only played <laughs> a, a game. <laughs> and then <laughs> broken arm. And then he comes in and he's performing. So he's keeping helping to keep Dallas in it. So great acquisition for them. Mm-hmm. But that but that's what we're seeing. It's kind of funny to see the stat sheets for these two teams because the top point-getter for the Dallas Stars is Jamie Benn with yep. three points. Mm-hmm. And then Rocco Grimaldi amongst three others – sorry, four others with Subban, Benino, Ekholm, and Yarncrook at two points. Yep. Then you have guys like Mark Stone out there who had six goals in, <laughs> in three games. So <laughs> this shows a difference in series here and how tight it is because you're not going to see huge explosive offensive numbers from either team Nope. in this series. And that's okay because – if. The Predators, P.K. Subban said it after the Game 2 win in Nashville. When the Nashville Predators are playing desperate hockey, no one's going to beat them. Nope, absolutely not. Because they can cycle the puck, they can dominate it, and maybe they're not going to score all the time on it, but they're going to create opportunities and chances. And that's what we saw a lot of was creating opportunities and chances last night. And they took advantage of them. And the best team does not always win a game. Nope. For, For most of the game... Dallas was the better team. Absolutely. they. yeah.
2: The Predators allowed 60 scoring chances through the course of 60 minutes.
0: That's a lot of scoring chances.
2: That's a lot of scoring chances.
0: Pecorine. Pecorine, man.
2: 12 high danger chances allowed. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. 12 high danger chances for the Nashville Predators and
0: 28 for the
2: Stars.
0: Yeah. Well, they're getting to that. If you look at, thanks to Nat Statrick, where Dallas got two goals is right in the home area mm-hmm. right there in the slot because they're just crashing the net they're getting pucks to the net and that's where they're going i mean zuccarello's goal that's where they were, they were going to the net that's the area you don't see you we're used to seeing <laughs> on the predator side a lot of shots coming from the point right not as many with dallas mm-hmm. so that's understandable now what i did like earlier today we released the report cards Big thanks to Michael Wade and George Matarangas, our analytics reporters there. And they actually tracked zone entries and exits. I know George did. So, folks, if you're at all interested in advanced analytics, I highly, highly recommend you go read these report cards after every game because it gives you an inside look at how each line's performing. And Dallas, Jim Montgomery, took advantage of that home ice that they had with matchups because they basically put the Sagan line against three different Predators lines just trying to see the matchups that would work. Mm-hmm. And the event, sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But the zone entries and exits, what was fantastic was I noticed Rocco Grimaldi in the first period. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted about that <laughs> for the first period. And what's dude do? He goes and scores. And what was he doing? George even mentioned that he had great zone exits and entries. I mean, that, that's the big thing right there, is players that actually exit the zone properly and enter the zone properly. It's not just a dump and chase. And I know we've they've talked about it before, and we've talked about it here. When you dump it, it's a 50-50 puck already. If you enter the zone with the puck, you have possession of the puck. In the zone. In the zone. That is so important. That's something that people would harp on Kevin Fiala about turnovers and everything, but he actually would enter the zone. Right. Not a lot of players are doing that, so when you look at the stats, the Yarncroke line kind of flipped everything. You don't expect the fourth line to have the the best kind of things like that, but their zone entry success was eighty eight point eight nine percent.
2: Holy moly.
0: They're taking they're taking the puck in. And I think that has a lot to do with speed. Yep. A lot of speed. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the Stanley Cup playoffs overall because it's getting very interesting out there now. We're getting <laughs> games three and four of all these different series. That's up next here on Penalty Box Radio. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 athletes. Justin Bradford, Spider Jack in for Glenn Blackwell. Producer Kenny behind the glass. Oh, he's jamming. Oh, yeah. Great song. That's just one of those head nodding songs, man. Oh, yeah. You just feel it. The whole time, this is playoff hockey songs. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, get it, yeah. <laughs> you get it? Run this town, yeah. Oh, You're gonna run this town. Before we get to this, of all the things, you know, even after victories, you see it on, of course, Pred's Facebook. What else am I referencing here? Of course, even after wins, there's always a complaint. Mm-hmm. We've used Run This Town for like two straight seasons. Can we just find a, a different song? Two straight seasons, are you new here? Yeah, <laughs> like. Buddy, this is this is new to us, too. Like, we got... Come on. This is... That's a great song, too. Yeah. And they've used multiple versions of it. It's the same thing as last year. No, it's not. It's a different remix. It's a different version. Yeah. Run This Town is the Nashville Predator hype song. Right. For intro music. It's just... That's just how it is. Yeah. So, deal with it or sell your tickets. There we go. It's about okay. a, it's a tradition. It's Hot Takes of Bradford. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Three hours of sleep, Bradford. Yeah. Oh, God, man. Dude, okay. The game ended, right? Uh-huh. I did my work, got the, got the video up, so please go watch the post-game video. You know, it's great. I talked to Ryan Johansson, stuff from Mikael Gremlin. There's Rocco Grimaldi. Right. It's P.K. Subban. There's, you know, whatever you need there. Go watch that video. And then I left the arena, mm-hmm. got back to my hotel at about 1.15 in the morning today. <laughs> 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 Went to bed at about 2.00. Woke up at 5.30, went to the airport, flew in, and went to work at 9.30. <laughs> you are a <laughs> and I'm working here. man. Doing it, man. All for the hockey. For the love of hockey. So, I'm going to say the name of a player, and I want your initial reaction when I say this, okay? Okay. Just what word or emotion or reaction or noise comes to mind first for you? Is silence a noise? I mean, it could be, but I'd rather not have dead air. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. 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 <clears throat> Martin Jones. Yeah. <laughs>
2: oh. oh, you know, you know, you know who Martin Jones legitimately reminds me of. He reminds me of Pecorine. If pecarine wasn't good at hockey, he's just terrible. <laughs> I've never seen a worser goalie.
0: A worser goalie. worser goalie. <laughs> that's how bad Martin Jones is. He, he's messing up my grammar he's so bad. He, he, he's he's poo poo on a shingle. He's
2: that's yeah. It's that's, really bad. It's so bad. It's
0: so so bad. Like the, the goaltending in the playoffs. Yes, they've only played three games, but between Aaron Dell and Martin Jones, you have an eight seven five save percentage and an eight four nine save percentage. We knew going in that goaltending was going to be the weak link for the San Jose Sharks. But that is a very weak link right there.
2: You would go back and watch the highlights of the game, and you see Martin Jones is almost near the blue line on some of the goals that he allowed. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, if he was in net for Nashville, Pred's Facebook would literally explode.
0: Yeah, it might actually literally explode. So, <laughs> so okay, in, in, in that series, though, and let's go ahead and stick with this, Vegas, I picked Vegas, and Vegas does have the two one. I think more just because of the depth that they built mm-hmm. and the the battle they've been through. They have a chip on their shoulder, mm-hmm. and Mark Andre Fleury, when he is playing like the Mark Andre Fleury we knew from last year, that's lights out hockey for him. Yep. But more so than that, marks Mark Stone, man, Mark Stone, come to Nashville. What? It's not. He's under contract
2: come to nashville please
0: no he's he, he <laughs> not coming to nashville he's, he's not coming to nashville mark stone what an acquisition of the trade deadline for the vegas golden knights he has eight points in three games how many goals justin six goals six goals okay in addition to that paul stastny has eight points two goals six assists max patch six points two goals four assists they that those are acquisitions from before the season even started, Vegas is a darn good hockey team. I mean, you read some of those names. Those are names that were targeted. Paul Stastny is who helps basically single-handedly Winnipeg beat Nashville. Yep. He was the difference maker. And the the depth that the Vegas Golden Knights have on that team right now, they're scary. And San Jose, given their weapons of Eric Carlson, who, well – is a defenseman that doesn't play defense. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but even, you know, Brett Burns, Evander Kane, Joe Thornton, uh, Logan Couture, Tomas Hurdle, if you can't stop the other team from scoring more goals, you're just not, it's not going to work for you.
2: Yeah. And so, did, What was that, who was it that Evander Kane fought? Who was it? Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves. Oh, the, the, the baby The baby shark. Did you hear that?
0: Yes. That was so funny. These teams hate each other, and I love it. It's, They hate each other. Awesome. Two years in, and Vegas already has a blood rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's, (laughs) no, it is pure hate. I love it. I love it. But that's what it's built on, and I love that they have a new rival. And there's no, oh, oh, it's Vegas. Look how cute it is. No, people hate Vegas.
2: Right. I love
0: it. I love it. Yeah, I hate them. They're good. They're very good. Might as well hate them. Mm -hmm. I mean, then they're built. I mean, they have guys under contract for a long period of time. Oh, they're not, so going, they're, away they're not going away for any time They're not going away. They're not going away. Okay, other series. Plenty of other series going on before. <laughs> I'm waiting to see if we get to a final score during our show. That would be awesome. First sweep here. Now, Washington, Carolina, I want to talk about this, too. And I focus on the East because it seems like there's some fun storylines coming out of the East, too. Mm-hmm. So, Carolina, first home playoff game in a decade, and they demolished the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Yeah. Now is that the emotional high of that first home game, and they respond kind of like how Colorado destroyed Nashville last year in Game Three, riding right that emotional high, first playoff game, home playoff game in a long time. Right, maybe, but as, if anything, bravo for Canes fans getting to experience that.
2: Yeah, and I did
0: they do a storm surge? I actually don't recall. I was too busy working. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted
2: to. I want to play off Storm Surge for the Carolina Hurricanes, oh, and be especially because that that fan base has just turned it around.
0: So now with this, everyone's talking about it. So we have to the Alexander Ovechkin and Sveshnikov fight. So, <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, hopefully Sveshnikov is okay. Like he continues mm-hmm. to be okay. He's healing okay because he of a rough hit that his head took to the ice after oh, that yeah. fight. The next thing is. They agreed to fight each other, folks. Yep. And the way I'm seeing this, in all the replays and everything, it was one of those gentlemen's agreement that they've been going at it apparently all season, going out in the playoffs, slashes here, slashes there, you know, running their mouths, everything like that. They're countrymen, so I don't know if like Putin put a call in to, <laughs> to one of them and said, "You do it now," or whatever happened. They fought, and that's the that's the sport of hockey. Alex Ovechkin doesn't even have five fights to his career. Nope. So if you're saying, well, Ovechkin knew what he was doing. Well, yeah, he did. He was accepting a fight because he was getting he, he they agreed to. If you're asked to do that, mm-hmm. you're going to because they were, they just had something they had to get out of the system. You hate it for Shveshnikov, but there was nothing dirty about this. Mm-mm. It was Alexander Ovechkin is a solid dude, mm-hmm. solid dude. And if you're going to fight, you're not going to take it easy on somebody. Why would you? You're defending yourself there too. No, you, yeah, exactly. Why would you? You don't. It's a fight. They agreed to do. They agreed to fight. It's not like one man was turtling and everyone kept going in on it. No, they both squared up and they fought. It. uh, This is one of the things that frustrates me. Is that this drives a whole different argument about fighting and everything like that. Mm -hmm. For me personally, I like to see it naturally just dissolve. And that's mm-hmm. what we have happening. Fights in this league are naturally going away because the need for them is naturally going away. And that's fine. You do not have teams that have pure enforcers playing all the time. You don't because you don't need it. It's a speed game, it's a skill game. You need power forwards that can score, not just hit. You need guys that can make some plays, that can forecheck, that can backcheck, that can make great outlet passes, things like that. Right. It's not just a guy that goes and bangs bodies. Mm-hmm. They got to do a little bit more. Cody McLeod than that. Well, he provides the locker room. I, I get it because you didn't have you you don't have the roster limits and if you can have him in the locker room and it helps provide that fine. I'm totally fine with that. But that's yeah. why he's not playing. Mm-hmm. That is and it's understandable. So I like it to where it naturally just goes away cuz it is just the fighting numbers every year it's just going down. But I still like it, like the ability of it being there in case something does happen because it does create that little bit of policing yourselves. You're not seeing staged fights anymore. That's what I don't like, or a staged fight. Right. No, it's, it's an emotional thing. If there's a hit that somebody doesn't like, something like that, you're policing yourselves because if you get rid of it, I think you might see more cheap shots. Yeah. Because, oh, I'll just take a penalty. I'm not going to get my butt beat. Oh, okay. I'll just sit in the box. There, Here's an elbow. Here's a knee and knee. Yeah. Things like that. It's- yeah, you'll get fined or whatever, but no fighting. You're not going to get your face beat in right. by somebody. That's just my take. Jack, and the huge age difference between right. the two of us. So you're taking being a younger fan of the sport, too. What, what was your take on this fight before I have to go to break?
2: You know, I the kid got exactly what he wanted. If, he you, chir, if you chirp at Ovechkin long enough, <laughs> eventually he's going to turn around and say something back. And then he did not stop chirping. And Ovechkin was – I feel like Ovechkin gave him a couple chances to sort of skate away, and then it's like, okay – it's time. Come here.
0: <laughs> you asked for it.
2: Yeah, and as a younger fan, I don't think that... Like, if you, like, watch NASCAR to watch the cars crash, you're not really much of a fan. So if you watch right. hockey because of the fights, you're not really much of a fan. And I like that the game is sort of going towards who can score the most impressive goals over who got their butt whooped last night. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Like, It is. It's a difference in the game, yeah.
2: And... The fights are going away. Mike Fisher had an interview a couple years ago where it's just like fights are slowly getting away. But I do agree with you that, you know, if things get out of hand, you should have the ability to step in and finally say enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Watch me throw my hand in your face.
0: (laughs) But just let it naturally go away. Okay. Up next, we're going to switch gears. Milwaukee Admirals, Nashville's AHL affiliate, clinched a spot in the Calder Cup playoffs. John Jensen are... PBR Reporter up in Woo. Milwaukee is going to join us next year on Penalty Box Radio, listen to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes, Justin Bradford, Spider Jack in for Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny, and he's jamming to every one of them. Woo! Man, he's feeling it. He's feeling it. You awake right. yet? I'm oh I'm I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio. We're going to switch gears here and talk Milwaukee Admirals, the Predators affiliate, and the AHL qualifying for the Calder Cup playoffs and what an end to the season that they had. We have John Jensen. He has our Penalty Box Radio contributor joining us right now. John, welcome to the show, man. Yes, yeah, then. So let, let's go ahead and get started here. Milwaukee Admirals finished the season 9-0-1. <laughs> Points in their last 10 games getting up to the number 2 seed in the division, and that's just one point ahead of, of, of Iowa there too, so 88 points. What did you notice at the end of this season that really clicked for the Milwaukee Animals to make that huge run to not just qualify them for the playoffs but get the number 2 seed?
1: You know, I've been watching this team for a while, and uh, I don't know that I've ever seen any midseason pickup make as much of a difference to the way that the team performed. The morale of the team was just so different after the trade deadline, uh, there's a couple of players that really stood out. I mean, Cole Schneider got picked up from the Rangers organization for Connor Brinkley. Uh, uh, Laurent Dauphin and Adam Haluka got picked up for Jeremy Guegwar and uh, Emil Pedersen. And, and they just went nuts with, with scoring, and it seemed like just the overall feel of the team was a lot different in the second half of the 2019 part of the season. So everything after the trade deadline and they just went for it. Uh, like you said, at points in the last 10, it actually went to 14 uh, with the point streak wow. for the Admirals. And it was really uh, it was really just something that I haven't seen this team do for a long time.
2: You know, John, uh, with the Predators and everything and all the injuries, there was a lot of shuffling in the lineups in Milwaukee. So can you tell us like, what players stepped up and how?
1: Yeah, you know, um, so you have a couple of players like Cole Schneider, who's really not going to be... Someone that's going to get called up super frequently to the NHL. Um, so he was really a steady force once he did come in for the Admirals. Um, Jaron Tonorti is another one. He's the team captain, um, who I, I think his leadership skills really developed over the course of the season. And towards the end, he was, he was getting in on goals. Uh, he ended the season with eight goals and 14 assists, 22 total points. Uh, and, and he was just a really steady defenseman for the Admirals. Uh, and, and you could just tell that he was there to help his team win every game. Um, Colin Blackwell got called up pretty, eh, I don't want to say frequently, but he had a couple of stints in Nashville. But when he was in Milwaukee, he was, he was super steady for them as well. So he had a couple of guys who were just able to make it happen without the um, constant calling up of, you know, Richard spent some time in Nashville, Blackwell did, Matt Donovan, who – uh, was one of the leading scorers for the team, actually, for quite some time, uh, spent a good chunk of 2019 in Nashville. So, yeah, there, there was a bunch of guys who were able to really be steady for Milwaukee.
0: And John Jensen, he's a Penalty Box Radio contributor up in Milwaukee, covering the Milwaukee Admirals for us. And so let's talk about Ellie Tolvanen. I mean, it's not like he, he blew it up in the AHL, but that's totally okay. <laughs> I mean, 35 points, 15 goals, 20 assists in the season for him, and he did have some some highlight real goals over the course of the season, what have you noticed from him? It seems like that he has. there's a lot of still potential there, and there's so much pressure still from this organization, from the fans, more than anything else of, oh, man, is he already a bust? Because he's still so young and still trying to adapt to the game. So tell us just a little bit, what what did you notice out of Ellie Tolvenin as the season progressed and in, in some of his goals and, and everything of that sort?
1: I, I think what I noticed the most about Tolvanen over the course of the season was that the, the spot that he picked for his shot changed. Uh, which was a thing that he needed to do because at the very beginning of the season, he was getting used to the North American ice and his shot was from the exact same spot at the top of the circle every single time. And it just wasn't connecting for him. And the more he got comfortable with uh, what he was doing with the way that the game is played here, uh, he started scoring more. So he, scored 15 goals over the course of the season and that most of them didn't come until he started taking shots from different places so you could tell he, he started to get more comfortable uh, i do think that much maybe much to the dismay of predators fans. i think he's probably going to have at least another half season in milwaukee i think that's going to be good for the predators organization long term but I, I do think he'll spend a little bit more time in milwaukee next season
0: and, hey, I, I don't think that's a bad thing, just more seasoning. And, again, I'll always refer to Philip Forsberg. He had that little taste right. in the NHL. He went to the AHL. He got a lot of seasoning. And now look at where he is. It's just it's totally okay. No pressure. Just let him keep getting that seasoning. So I want to talk to some of the new players. You already mentioned them by name. I mean, Adam Haluka came over. I mean, he had a total of 50 points in the season. And now, as is, he's the leading point getter for the Milwaukee Admirals during the regular season with 50. And what have you noticed out of his game? What has he added to this team that they maybe didn't have before they acquired him, aside from just the points?
1: Yeah, he's obviously a really skilled player, and his stats speak for that on their own. But I do think where where he's a little different than what was in place before he showed up was uh, Haluka's a player who doesn't really care where the goal comes from. He doesn't care if his teammate scores it. He doesn't care if he scores it. He's there to play for the team. Um, At the beginning of the season, you saw a lot of play for individuals, it seemed. And towards the end of the season, the team really came together because of players like Haluka, who, uh, you know, he has 11 assists uh, with the Admirals. He had a total of 20, sorry, 29 assists for the entire season um, with the time he spent in Tucson. But uh, he, he is playing for that team. And I think that that was the biggest thing that I saw out of him.
2: Once again, this is John Jensen, the Milwaukee Admirals correspondent for Penalty Box Radio. John, what can we expect in the playoffs?
1: Uh, the the Admirals do not have a good recent history when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, the last time that the Admirals won a playoff game was in 2013, and the last time that they won more than one game in a playoff series, they actually went on to win this series, uh, was in 2011. They've been swept four out of the last six playoff appearances and didn't show up. To the playoffs at all in 2015 or 2018. Um, so you got that going on. Really, I think where this starts for the Admirals is they need to win one game and then they need to win two games. So it, it's got to be a game by game situation. They're going to face the Iowa Wild in the first round. I think one advantage that Iowa has over the Admirals, the fact that Minnesota is not in the Stanley Cup playoffs and the Predators are. So they were able to assign a couple of their two way players down to Iowa to help them out. So Ryan Donato. Uh, who I think gave the Predators a little bit of trouble in at least one of the games uh, between the two, has been sent down to Iowa, and also Jordan Greenway and Luke Coonan have both been sent down to Iowa. So they're going to face a pretty stacked Iowa team. The record over the season was 2-4 and four against Iowa. Um, they do fare better at home. They've won two, uh, lost one at home, and they lost every game that they played in Iowa. So they've definitely got a challenge for them, but if they're going to ride this hot streak that they've had going on, then uh, it might not be any trouble for them.
2: Wow. And uh, just one more, John, what have you noticed about Carl, Tail- Carl Taylor and his approach with the team?
1: I think what I what I noticed about Carl Taylor's approach to coaching the Admirals versus uh, the previous coach, Dean Evanson, I think is that the, the, the 2016-17 season for the Nashville Predators kind of changed the game for the entire organization. They they decided that there was a different level that they needed to play at, and I think that Carl Taylor's doing a better job of conditioning players to play in that environment that Nashville's hoping for them to to grow into. Uh, I think he focuses a lot more on offensive production and he focuses a lot on uh, checking instead of defending. If you never if you If you check, you never have to defend. So he focuses a lot on the (laughs) four-check. The Admiral's defense did cause him a lot of problems at one point during the season, but um, he's he's designing players that fit into the way that the Nashville Predators want to play the game.
0: Well, hi, John. How you doing, bud? I'm
1: doing great. How
0: are you, Justin? I'm doing just fine, man. I appreciate all the work you've been doing with covering the Milwaukee Admirals. You're doing a fine job up there, folks. you you got to make sure you you follow his coverage because I know you're going to have a lot more to do during the playoffs to keep track of it because it seems like more and more people are paying more attention to what the Milwaukee Admirals are doing just because of the prospects of what's going on down there as well. So really appreciate you joining us, John.
1: Absolutely. Thanks again for having me.
0: All right, folks, John Jensen, the Penalty Box Radio contributor, co- contributor. man, I'm pulling a Jack, <laughs> <laughs> covering the Milwaukee Admirals, the AHL affiliate of the Nashville Predators. And Jack, before we go to break, I don't want to say breaking news because people probably already know, but with about a minute left in the game, Columbus has scored, and it is a 6-3 Columbus lead over Tampa. They're about to complete the sweep, and... They still have an empty net. They still have an empty they're going for it, but it's not gonna happen. From Steven Wino, no team in the expansion era that led the NHL in points has been swept in the first round. Wow, that's bad. That's about to change. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Columbus. Big big time congratulations to the Columbus fan base out there. I mean, they've been they've been suffering a lot up there and they, they went for it. They went all in and all in finally gets them a victory in a playoff round. They have not had that. They've had some wins. They squeaked out a couple wins last year against Washington. who wanted to go win the cup after winning four in a row against them. But now they take out the President's Trophy winning, the 62-game winning (laughs) Tampa Bay Lightning in four games. Wow. That is, that is insane. I love this sport. I love what it has to offer. It makes it so exciting. That is that is a big piece down. My bracket is busted. <laughs> um, <laughs> my bracket is totally busted. Oh, Seven another to three. empty net goal. Seven to
2: three. Seven
0: to three Columbus Blue Jackets. So what a game going on there. Now they can just sit back and relax and wait for the next opponent. So... Love this. Alright, up next on Penalty Box Radio, we're gonna answer all those questions you submitted. There, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> and I might have something dumb said on Pred's Facebook. I, d- I just might. You're, you're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 the game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio. Powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford. Spider Jack in for Glenn Blackwell. Producer Kenny behind the glass. Oh James Brown. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. Man, what what a night in playoff hockey! Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> what it, 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 it has been funky. It has been a funky, been funky night in hockey. Like three empty net goals scored by Columbus. Was <laughs> <laughs> Tampa just trying to stay in it? And uh, New York Islanders trying to put out the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, seven days in and there's handshakes. There could be two handsh- two handshake lines tonight so let's start off this segment with a dumb thing found on preds facebook i'm ready sorry the national media hates tennessee doesn't matter which sport football basketball hockey jacks it doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) I, i don't know how the national media would hate tennessee you remember in the playoffs where every video was basically showing the nashville crowd or a catfish, or the chants and cheers yep. of of what Nashville fans are doing. Remember, remember how many people are talking about the Tennessee basketball team and their their big run that they had this year and how good how good they were. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nashville media does not hate Tennessee. Stop being dumb. Facebook, dear God. <laughs> All right, here we go. Q and A time. This one comes from. Peyton Turnage, yay! Say, Glenn Lund. <laughs> there, I did it just for you, baby. All right, Canuck for Liberty asks, how about those Milwaukee Admirals? Do you think the Preds and Ads can be the first partnership to win titles in the same year since the Devils and River Rats in 1995? Woo! Wow. Going back to history, there, man, Johnny. Hey, you know what could ha- anything can happen in the playoffs, as we have found out. Right, <laughs> anything can happen. That would be pretty neat for an organization like that. I- in the AHL, there's some very, very tough teams in the AHL. So Milwaukee's had a, has a lot of work cut out for them if they're going to want to do that. And the first one is just the first-round matchup Yep, against the Iowa Wild. But they had 88 points. And I know points in the regular season don't matter, as Tampa's proved. But the Charlotte Checkers had 110. Syracuse Crunch had 102. The 10-point lead the Chicago Wolves had in Milwaukee for first in the Central Division. So if they can continue playing the kind of hockey they did to finish the season – That can be very impressive. And it's pretty cool. I mean, it'd be pretty cool for the organization overall as a whole Mm -hmm. if they both would win something like that. And And, things would be very tough. And people would
2: want to play for Nashville.
0: They already do, Jack. (laughs) They already do. Okay. Football manager uh, Dennis asked Did you make it home from Dallas in time for your work today? And how much caffeine did it take? Well, Dennis, I did make it home in time. We actually landed about 20 minutes early because the pilot was booking it. Thank you, pilot. (laughs) And I didn't actually have much caffeine. I decided to go healthy. I went for a nice smoothie, an immune booster smoothie because less sleep means weakened immune system. It was a very delicious smoothie. Healthy. Healthy, Justin. Healthy, Justin. Trying to. And then I had Zaxby's for lunch. <laughs> uh, 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 Dr. Duggars asks, do you think the injuries will be significant for the Preds if and when they go to the second round? Week to
2: week is very
0: vague. That is very vague. Uh, obviously, the puck that Wayne Simmons took, that, that's that's bad. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Brian Boyle, what a bomb that was. We're sitting there after morning skate. In the interview room, Peter Lavulette is finishing up, and then Fred's PR just drops the oh, by the way, <laughs> Wayne Simmons is week to week with a lower body injury, and Brian Boyle week to week <laughs> after an, a, an appendix procedure. Everybody's like, uh. what? I need to tweet. <laughs> and that's what everybody was doing. We're like, illness is very different from just appendix surgery. Oh so, my gosh. hope of a speedy recovery. To him, and luckily was that something they can take care of and he can he can recover from. But yeah, those are the kind of injuries that would last into it, and injuries always happen. The, the good thing is, too, when you look at it, the Predators were already a playoff-bound team without them. Right. So, this shows the depth, to the Predators have without Boyle or Simmons. And I was kind of on the Ben Simmons for Grimaldi anyways train for the time being, Yeah, just in this series, the way the series is going. So it's showing the depth. And Mika Salamaki hadn't played an NHL game since January 4th. He had three games with the Admirals as a conditioning assignment. He goes out and he gets an assist Yeah, last night. So And he, he played his role well. The fourth line did very, very well. And I like that he's physical. He's trying to throw out hits. He was mm-hmm. adding a little bit of speed out there. And you're showing the speed showed and made the difference uh, in that game. So there there's that. Depth is going to be very important. There's always going to be injuries no matter what. That's the Stanley Cup playoffs for you. Yeah. Okay, next question. This is from JEGC321. If this happens by the time you start answering questions, where does Tampa getting swept by Columbus <laughs> rank among Stanley Cup playoffs upsets in NHL history? I'd uh, say it's, a, it's up there. I'd say it's probably the top.
2: Yep, this is the best one.
0: Because you think there's 31 NHL teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there weren't as many back then in terms of an upset. Columbus had to... Battled to get in, they barely get in. Their matchups with Tampa Bay, who set records, right? Tampa Bay was cruising through the season and favorites to win the Stanley Cup by by Vegas odds, by every odds out there, by everybody picking. Tampa was obviously near the top. This is pretty big, especially given Columbus's history mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Yeah, they battled in the playoffs, but they didn't, you know, go on a hot streak. They were looking good, so it's very up there. Yeah, it's. Did they, you know, it, it's A lot of other teams that have been beaten as a top dog in the first round now are breathing a sigh of relief because Tampa's, everyone's going to be talking about Tampa for years. Nobody will ever let this go unless they win the Cup next year. A- epic collapse. Even then. Hey, remember what happened last year? <laughs> <laughs> Even then, you're still going to have to be talking about this. Okay. Let's see here. <laughs> How's it going, A? Eh? Asks. If you had to lay a hundy on who's between the pipes for Dallas in third period tomorrow, are you betting Bishop or Kodobin? I still think it's Bishop. Bishop. I I don't think there's going to be enough goals scored by the Predators to chase a goalie because it's that tight of a series. It's just that tight. Now, Kodobin's done well against the Predators, but Bishop's our starter. Bishop's been playing very, very well, and it would take one of those things where it's a 3-0, 4-0 lead, a 3-4 goal differential for them to make a change in net during the game. And I just don't see that happening. I mean, a 2-0 lead the Predators had, I felt like, man, maybe they could just stop right now because that's what it felt like with how tight goals are
2: mm-hmm.
0: to score in this series. Jack, anything to add? Uh
2: Predators have scored seven goals on Bishop in three games, so I'm not really thinking Kudobin can shut them out. Cause not at, like that, yeah. No. So Bishops played very well. I mean, take away all the extreme analytics away, they've only scored seven goals. So,
0: Yeah, scoring's just not easy to come by, not, unlike in the well, not, unlike the Blue Jackets. No, then empty net goals <laughs> are just
2: like you're on Oprah. Just you, you get, get an, an empty net, net goal. goal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this next question comes in from Nash House Kittens. If uh, Raquel Grimaldi, named his stick after you, how honored would you be? I'd be extremely honored if he named after me and he scored a goal with it.
2: Oh yeah. If no. he if he named a stick after me then broke it, then I I'd, yeah. I'd be like, "Well, why'd you even name the stick after me?" Yeah.
0: So this question comes from Rocco Grimaldi in game 2. He named he so he names his sticks, which yeah. is I think awesome. He named his stick Frankie. Uh which is dedicated to his grandfather who passed away 3 years ago to the day of the accomplishment. And he scored a goal. So that was huge. Yeah. That, I love Rocco Grimaldi. Man, it's, what a story how he's battled. And he can good person. Mm-hmm. And when you're a good person, I want to like you even more. But then when you go out and do that, you're even, better, even more special. Even more special, man. I love it. I love the story of Rocco Grimaldi. Rocco and Abby, that's, that's couple's goals. <laughs> that's couple's goals. Okay, last question. Coonskin Preds asked, do you feel that the fourth line – has enough speed and conditioning that their use will help in wearing out the Dallas defense quicker than a slower but more physical line. I don't know, necessarily know about wearing out. I think, if anything, they provide a good mismatch yeah. of opportunities with that speed. because, And we saw that last night with how the mismatch was working out great for them, the utilizer speed. Rocco was buzzing everywhere, as I already said. He was flying around. He scored a goal. They're creating a mismatch there because. Dallas, I'm assuming, was preparing more for a big bottom six mm-hmm. with Boyle and Simmons, and now you have Salamacki and Grimaldi and Yarncroke out there. Different preparation. So I'd expect game four to be a little different, especially with the matchups, as everybody was reviewing game tape and everything like that, too. Um, so I think they have enough speed to do that. And if anything, you're just offsetting things and creating more space for other lines to do things. Right, Jofa getting dominated is setting up other players to make a, to take advantage of opportunities. That's fine. Yeah, that is totally fine and totally okay. That all that matters in the end is that they get enough goals to win. Whereas John Jensen, our PBR reporter in Milwaukee, just score more goals. Yeah. than the other team. That's the simple. That's the simple explanation right there. He called it. He he,
2: he, he, he did. He, he called the game-winning goal last night, and he called the jacket sweep. So that's crazy. That is crazy. That's Crazy,
0: and right now at the end of the show, seven minutes left. New York Islanders lead Pittsburgh. So could we have two sweeps, two handshake lines in one night? I we'll sure see. hope so. We'll Find out next week <laughs> <laughs> on Penalty Box Radio. Folks, lots of coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Live stories, videos, podcasts, everything you need in PenaltyBoxRadio.com on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for all that coverage. For producer Kenny, Spider Jack, thanks so much for joining me. And our guest, John Jensen, up in Milwaukee. This is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio tonight on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025 the game.